to Colossians chapter number 4, verse number 2. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 2. We'll read verse 2 through uh, 4. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 2. This is the epistle to the church at Colossae, which we had an opportunity to travel there. And it is still a tell, which means that it's, it's a big mound that they have not excavated. So you can visit the site. You can walk up to the top of it, but you can't see anything like some of the other churches of Asia, um, like Ephesus and Philadelphia. And they've done some excavations there so you can actually see some of the remains of the city. But Colossae is just, it's under a, a bunch of dirt. But we did stand on the top of it and look out over the valley that is there. And we read from the book of Colossians and we prayed. And it was a great experience. At some point, it's all about money. So at some point, if they can get money through a, a benevolent individual somehow that would donate it, they would start excavating, and they will start excavating that particular site as well. Amen. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Pray that God would open unto us a door of utterance, a flow, an opening, that God would move so that we would be able to speak of the mystery of Christ as we should. I wanted to speak to you for a few moments here tonight on ingress, egress. Ingress, Egress. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. We ask that you would direct us tonight. We thank you that you bring encouragement and strength to us through the empowerment of your spirit. That's important. And through your word that brings to us stability and strength. That is also important. And we reflect on those things here in the house of God tonight. We ask that you would direct us in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Ingress, egress. What do these terms mean? What do the definitions mean? Ingress means the act of entering, the right of entering, or the means of entering. And so that typically has to do with architecture and related fields. A point of ingress in a building is an entryway. It's a concise way of referring to a place where people can enter that avoids using a more specific term like a door because in some cases entering and exiting is not necessarily a door and so it's more general to use the term ingress. Not all entry points are doors. The word isn't always used in relation to buildings either. It could be applied to parking lots, for example, which often have multiple points of ingress for vehicles to enter. In astronomy, ingress is another word for immersion, which is the entrance of a heavenly body, such as a planet or a moon, that goes into eclipse caused by another heavenly body. So it's moving in between two bodies. So ingress is the right of entering. 
Egress is the act of going out. It's the right to go out or the means of going out. In some particular cases on plots and lots and land, there has to be ingress and egress. You could have a piece of property, but if you don't have the ability to enter or to exit the property, then you have no way to get to it. And so it becomes very important when we're talking about flow of traffic and regulating that flow or that traffic. This is important for fire safety codes because in buildings, there has to be multiple points of egress, places for people to exit, such as doors and fire escapes. A parking lot might have some one-way access points devoted, devoted to ingress and others devoted to egress. And in some cases, it can be both. You can enter in and you can go out the same way, but typically there is a flow and there's a regulated flow so that there's multiple places of escape if there was something to happen. In astronomy, egress is another word for immersion that is the emergence or exit of a heavenly body from an eclipse. So you see that heavenly body, the moon, or something like that moving beyond its eclipse, we would say that that is egress. So what is the difference between ingress and egress? The difference between ingress and egress seems obvious. Ingress refers to an entrance, and egress refers to an exit, and that is generally true. It's very common for many access points to be used for both. You come to the same door, you go out the same door. But in architecture and in site planning, it's often important to differentiate the two for many different reasons, such as accessibility, safety, and this is really, I've said all that to get to this point, the proper traffic flow. So ingress and egress has to do with the proper flow of traffic into a, a piece of property, into a building, and there's many different ways that this can be, be used. So, But in its general sense, the basic idea is this. Ingress involves entering. Egress involves emerging or exiting. And so I, I give that to you by way of introduction to talk to you about the flow of traffic. This is something in the architectural world, the planning world, the surveying world. These terms are used often, and so if you've never heard this, this is something that is used very commonly in those fields, going in and going out. The flow of something. And tonight I want to talk to you about the flow of traffic on a spiritual level. What we allow to come in and what we allow to go out of our lives is very, very important. Amen. There's some things that you allow into your life. You have to discriminate against what it is and how you're going to utilize it and what it's going to be in your spirit. Amen. There's a there's a flow. There's a and there has to be a regulation attached attached to that flow. I want to make sure that there's a move of God and a presence of God coming into my life. This is why the Word of God is so very, very important. The Word of God is something that goes into my life. There is ingress of the Word of God. Amen. And that's something that we need to make sure that there is a flow coming into our life that establishes us, that gives us 
permanent ability that gives us strength, amen, that, that causes us to stand upon a firm foundation. It's the ingress of the Word of God. You'll never be disappointed. This is why Bible quizzing is so very, very important, because when you put it in your mind, it is something that is going in. It's touching your spirit. It's touching your heart, amen, and it exits. There is an exiting out of that. Whatever you put into your life is going to come out in your life. Therefore, put in the word of God. Let the anointing of God come into your life and flow out of your life. There's some things that are not so convenient. That's why we're spending some time here in the house of God talking about some of those things. So in a spiritual sense, on a spiritual level, what goes into our lives and what comes out of our lives is very, very important. I just, I don't want to veer off too far here, but if, if all you're doing is digesting the news of the world, and sometimes the news of the world can be so negative, and it can gender to depression and anxiety and stress. You know, you can look at parts of the world and say that's very, very dangerous. I don't know that I would be comfortable going there, but if you look through the local news of Bakersfield, California. You'd be scared out of your mind even to drive out of your garage and out of your house because there's difficulties in this city and the news reports it. And most of the time, that's all they report is the negativity. And so if you're constantly feeding yourself that, that's going to impact your spirit. This is why we're in the house of God tonight. You know why? There needs to be ingress into our spirit of worship and praise. There needs to be the word of God that flows into us. If all you're doing is receiving ingress from your workplace and your occupation and your school, you're going to recognize it's not fulfilling. But when you come to the house of God and there's ingress into your spirit of the peace of God and the strength of God, hallelujah, there's a building up of your spirit. Amen. And so this, this is important. This is important. What we allow in, how it impacts us, and what we allow out. Amen. Some people are so, they're, they're road rage, anger, frustration, because things coming into their life is directly going out of their life. And so they take it out on other people, whether it's on the road, whether it's in their comments to other people, whether it is in their relationships Praise God. I want the Holy Ghost coming into my life and what goes out of my life. I want kingdom principles to flow out of my life. I don't want the stuff of the world coming in and then going back out. But if it comes in, I'm going to discriminate against it through the word of God and through the spirit of God. And what's going to come out is the kingdom of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So when frustration comes in, I'm going to come back with blessing because God's been good to me. I know how to filter it. I filter it through the word. Amen. I have something to regulate those things that come in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 25, Paul is writing to the Romans and he's talking about people in general and he's looking at history. He's looking at past history and he's talking about things that they have allowed into their spirit in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 25. He said, people have changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed 
last forever. Amen. So what they allowed is paganism to come in. The ingress of idolatry came in. And what exited out is they turned the creator into an image made like to the creation. They, they failed to recognize how great God was and they made his creation God. We're still dealing with this today with so many people talking about how Mother Earth is upset with us when storms happen and when snow happens. This, this, is, just, this is just a condition of being in a fragile world. Praise God. And so they made out of the natural elements, they made idols out of trees and they worshiped them. And Paul is saying here they allowed that into their spirit and they changed the truth of God. Somebody say the truth of God. They changed the truth of God into a lie and started worshiping the lie and the illusion and not the truth. And when they started doing that, and then they created forms of religion and sacrifice, and they gave obeisance to that and allegiance to that. It was reflected, Paul said. It came out, or the egress of what they took in, it came out in this form. In verse number 26 of chapter 1. He said, for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with, this is the egress, the things that they took in became things that they lived out. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. There are flows that came into their life, and then there was an outflow of that. Whatever you take into your life is going to come out in your life. May not happen instance. Instantaneously. But if you're putting negative stuff into your mind, into your heart, if you're putting stuff that is stuff of the world into your mind and into your heart. And it becomes something that becomes a regulated flow. At some point, it is going to be an outflow in your life. Praise God. How about we be filled with the Holy Ghost instead of filled with carnality? How about we walk in the Spirit instead of walking in the flesh? If you bring in the flesh, there's going to be an outflow of the flesh. Flesh. But if there's an inflow of the Holy Ghost, there's going to be an outflow of the Holy Ghost. There's an ingress and an egress. 
Hallelujah. There has to be a regulated flow to this. These are flows of traffic. It is truth and untruth. It's the spirit that helps us regulate those things that we take into our life. And it could be a variety of things that we take into our life. In a few days down the road, we're going to talk about parenting and children. And something was posted that I thought was very, very significant by dear young married couple. And this is Brother Adam and Carissa King. And they will be coming, talking to us for a few days about children and the state of our world and culture and how it impacts children. And if you have children, we, we are praying for you. You have a great, great challenge. Amen. We're praying for you. You live in a world that's very difficult and challenging, but we're believing that the Holy Ghost is going to direct us and help us and that the anointing of God is going to protect us. We've got education that we need to do in the home because we are being Unindated with all kinds of worldviews that is absolutely, it defies common sense. We need to be in the Word of God. Praise God. Our young people need to be in Bible quizzing, memorizing the Word of God because that's what is going to sustain us. Because if all that's coming in, if we don't regulate and discriminate, we become desensitized to everything that we see around us. We cannot become desensitized to the truth that is in the scripture. We got to be kind, but we've got to have some convictions and we've got to stand for what is right. This is what I was reflecting upon that, 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 that really shocked me because, you know, there's social media, there's the internet, everything. The age of innocence keeps getting pushed down. And so they reflected upon all of the images that children will see before they're a certain age. And it was mind-boggling. But this was what was mind-boggling to me, was that it's not just what you see on the Internet. It's not what you just run across on gaming stations and games and social media and everything else. But it's what you see on a daily basis Praise God. On a daily basis, when you see different worldviews and you see individuals, it causes questions in these young children's mind when it looks like that's supposed to be a man or is that a man or is that a woman? And transgenderism is something we see on a daily basis where homosexuality is something we see on a daily basis. And so that, that flow coming to children's mind is something that they have to process. Parents. Make sure you're walking the right pathway. Praise God. Be prayed up. Be full of the Holy Ghost. Let the anointing of God operate in your life because you've got a job to do. It's very, very important to be filled with the Spirit and take time out and, and teach. This is, this, is, this is not a foreign concept. This goes all the way back to the Hebrews when they were coming out of Egypt. And Moses told them, he gave them the Shema. He said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. And then he said, you got to teach it when you're walking. you got to teach it when you're at, at, at home, when you lie down, when you raise yourself up. Every area of your life is about teaching. Praise God. We need more of a response there. I said every area of your life is about teaching. 
Because there's an inflow that's coming. There's an inflow that's coming through everything that we see. And, and corporations becoming woke and changing things. And M&M spokesmen are now, there's a green one that's bigger than the rest of them. So we don't fat shame people. And then we've got a green one that represents lesbianism. And I mean, can, can candy just be candy? Can I eat my Snickers bar without entering into philosophy and political ramifications and cancel culture and all of that kind of stuff? Every area of our life is tainted nowadays with all the stuff in our culture that is inundating us. Hallelujah. You think it's not really important to come to the house of God and hear the word of God? I'll tell you it is absolutely important because there has to be a standard that raises itself again against that. When the world comes in like a flood, there is a standard that raises itself. It's the word of God. It's important. Very, very important. It's why children ministry is important. It's why youth ministry is important. It's why Bible study is important. It's why everything that we do is important because we are trying to hold the line of truth and regulate all the stuff that is coming into our spiritual lives. And not only our lives, but if we have children that are under the age, they become our responsibility as well. Become our responsibility as well. So Paul, when he looked at this, he, he, he revealed to us a, scripture, a scriptural principle that what comes in is eventually what goes out, and it, it brought about these things in their lives. It's a flow of traffic, truth and untruth, and the Holy Ghost has to help regulate that. Without the spirit of truth, Jesus said when he was with the disciples, he said, I'm going to send you the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is what gives us the ability to discriminate against all the things that come into our life. And without it, it's very, very hard to achieve those results. The spirit helps regulate those things. Spiritual formation requires ingress of truth and egress of action. And we see this principle in so many different areas. We've read it here in, in the book of Romans. There's another one in John. John chapter 4 and verse number 6. Jesus went to Jacob's well. He was wearied with his journey, and he's sitting at the well at the sixth hour of the day. And there's a woman of Samaria that comes to draw water. And Jesus asked her, he says, give me a drink. And his disciples were gone into the city to buy meat. And the woman of Samaria said unto him, how is it that you being a Jew are asking me of a drink, and I'm a woman of Samaria. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is always, he always crosses these lines that people try to draw up and all these structures and bounders. And so all she can see is, number one, you're a Jew, and number two, you're a man asking me that's a woman uh, to drink. And, and, but Jesus, he, he always, he's not looking at boundaries and he's not looking at all these societal structures. Well, Jesus is looking at a salvation. 
Praise God, because all those boundaries and all that stuff becomes an excuse, and it's going to happen here. She's using these things as an excuse, and people will come to God, and they've got all these reasons and all these excuses, and, and they've got all these reasons on why and how and what's happened, and Jesus is not interested in all that stuff because it's all an excuse. What he wants to know is, do you want salvation in your life? Do you want redemption in your life? Praise God. Do you want to be redeemed from the things that are in your life that are creating dysfunction? and chaos. That's what he's interested in. And so she brings up these things and uh, asks him, how is it that you're asking me these questions because the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So not only are we talking about gender because you're a man, I'm a woman. Not only talk, are we talking about uh, race because you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan and there's no dealings between that. And the reason why some people may not know why there was such animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews. And <laughs> there was great animosity. Some people don't know why that is. Why is that? It's because the northern ten tribes of Israel, when there was a divided kingdom, there was the northern tribes and the southern tribes, and that was the two tribes in the south of Judah <clears throat> and Jerusalem and that area down there, the ten tribes of the north, they, they created their own kingdom. There's a divided kingdom. And the Assyrians, the Assyrians conquered the northern tribes. And they took captive the northern uh, tribes. They took them to Assyria. But they left some in the land. And they populated the land with Assyrians. And so now you have a mix of Jewish people and Assyrians. And they came together and assimilated. And they were called Samaritans. So they were viewed as half-breeds. And the Jews, which really liked to maintain their Jewish bloodline, they didn't want anything to do with a bunch of half-breed Samaritans. And so there was conflict here. And so <laughs> this woman is like, what? I mean, I'm a woman, uh, I'm a Samaritan, and there's great hate between the two. What are you doing talking to me? I'm thankful Jesus doesn't look at all those things in our life and says, let's forget about all those excuses. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to know truth? Praise God. And don't sit there and look smug at me because you got your own excuses and you know, the, your reasons why you can't be what you want to be and what God wants you to be. And you got all these excuses. But Jesus looks at all that stuff and he says, I've got the power and the ability to override all the excuses because I'm a sovereign God and I'm able to do what no other can do. Do you want truth? And so Jesus answers and said to her, he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that say, saith to you, give me to drink, thou would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. And that's confusing to her because she has no clue what he's talking about. She says, you don't have anything to even draw with here at this well and the well is deep. And so what are you talking about this living water? And are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and he drank here himself and his children and his cattle? And so this, this is an interesting conversation because now we've listed all the excuses. And if the excuses are not going to work, then we're going to talk about comparatively you and our father Jacob. We're going to compare things. Are you as great as our father Jacob? Because he's the one that built this well, and he's the one that drank from this well, and his children and generations after him, as well as his cattle. And, and basically what she's saying here is, who are you? <laughs> and Jesus responds, 
and says to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given living water to you. And then he says, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He's not talking about physical water. He's talking about a spiritual well from which springs up everlasting life. Life. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the Holy Ghost. You can draw from the well of the Holy Ghost. It is an everlasting well. It will never, ever, ever run dry. This physical water may run dry, but the Holy Ghost will never run dry. Every time you come to church, every time you pray, every time you lift up your hands, every time you approach God with faith, there's a well that is deep. It will never, never run dry. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God that brings life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. It's better than anything else that the world has to offer. Amen. So she says to him, my goodness, she said, well, then give me to drink of this water that I don't have to draw and I'm never going to thirst again. And then Jesus busts her right in the chops. I mean, that's figurative. <laughs> that probably is not a good illustration at all. Uh, Jesus uh, reads her mail. How's that? That's probably a little better. He says to her, <clears throat> uh, go call your husband and come hither. And she recognizes and responds and says, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you said, well, for you've had five. And the one that you're with now is not your husband. And so you have spoken truly. And she said to him, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then, after all, all these things that she's brought up, I mean, she's brought up. What has she done here? She's brought up. You're a man. I'm a woman. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. There's no dealings there. Then she brought up uh, the comparative analysis. You're not, are you, you think you're greater than Jacob. And then when Jesus confronts her on this, then she goes to uh, religion. And she said, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And so that was a, that was a bone of contention as well. Why? Well, when the northern tribes split off from the southern tribes, they created their own place of worship in the north. And it was a place that was mixed with a lot of idolatry. They were not as pure as the southern tribes. So that was also a conflict because the true Jews did not believe in what was known as syncretism, meaning that they were taking part of the law that was given by God in terms of worship, and they were mixing it with Baal worship and idolatry and false worship, and so they were bringing this together, creating this kind of, kind of like today, this postmodern idea that we can bring all these streams of thought together and we'll just mix it all up and, and we'll worship that. And so there was a contention because the people in the north were agitated with the people in the south because in the south, Jerusalem was the place where the temple was. So you had on one side people saying, true worship is here in the temple in Jerusalem. But the people in the north was saying, no, we created our own. And so that's another level of, of excuses and difficulties and, and problems. And so when she's pressed on this point and she's backed into a corner, 
she brings this up. And Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. You worship what you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And when the woman hears that, it's not a, I mean, he has broken down every line of defense. And the last line of defense that she tries to throw up is religion. And Jesus said, there's coming a time when it's not going to matter if it's in Jerusalem or whether it's in the northern part of the territory. It's not going to matter. It's not going to be associated with a building. It's not going to be associated with a geographical location because when the Holy Ghost is poured out it's going to cover the entire world and I'm going to fulfill the promise that I gave to Abraham. Everybody is going to be blessed. I'm going to tear down every barrier. I'm going to tear down every wall. It's not going to be religion but it's going to be a Holy Ghost experience. You can receive it no matter where you are in the world. You can receive it on a mountaintop. You can receive it in a valley. You can receive it anywhere you are. The Holy Ghost is going to empower people. Praise God. Well, when she hears this, she says, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he. Now, I like John because John, now this is the way the King James renders this, but John is very, very specific Anytime there is an am he or something like that, it's always a go a me. So what Jesus is saying to the woman here is I am. She said, I know when the Messiah has come, he's going to tell us everything. And Jesus said, I am. The Messiah is the I am. You thankful to know who he is? Praise God. He's God manifested in the flesh. So here's what's happening in this woman's life is truth. There's, an, there's a door that is open and truth is entering. Praise God. Truth is entering into her life. And, and, and she's thrown up a bunch of, she's trying to regulate it in, a, in a, uh, a position of unbelief. But truth is coming into her life. And as the conversation continues to flow, there is a movement of truth into her life that creates something in her heart and in her life. And she responds by going back to the city. And there is something that flows out of her when she's met Jesus. And Jesus has imparted to her truth. And she takes that into her spirit. She runs back into the village. And she starts testifying about a man that has told me everything that I've ever done. Is this not? the Christ. This is how truth is supposed to work. When truth flows into our lives, it flows out in a positive way. She starts testifying. This is the Messiah. This is the one that has power in his hands. And the rest of the villagers run out to see Jesus and they receive truth. And then they say to the woman, we're thankful that we came out here and we talked to him for ourselves because now we believe it ourselves instead of it just flowing out of you there's a flow of truth that comes into our life the catalyst is truth there's an agent of change and truth flows in and revelation produces action so there's ingress into her life and there is egress out of her life there's a flow and that has to be regulated you have to 
control the flow of traffic into your life. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. There's going to be an inflow of afflictions. I looked that word up. That just means sufferings, afflictions. We are all of us receive certain sufferings or temptations or difficulties and the devil is like a roaring lion and he's seeking to devour by trying to push push these things into our life. There has to be a regulation when he tries to push these things into our life where we say, I'm going to regulate that out. I'm not going to allow that to affect my spirit so that it becomes an egress. Praise God. If anger comes in, what's going out? What's going to go out is anger. If frustration is coming in, frustration is going out. Anybody hearing what I'm talking about here? And the devil will love to push opportunities of suffering into our life. I'm preaching to you here tonight. You got to regulate that. Whatever is coming in that is frustration, you got to remove that and say the Holy Ghost is in my life to regulate it. Turn it around and bring it back out to blessing and favor, not anger, not calamity, but the goodness of God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8, famous passage of scripture. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what? Huh? Think on these things. These things are things that come into. There's an inflow that comes into our life. What is it? It's things that I should be thinking about. It's the word of God. And these things are good things. Some things that come in are not good things. Now let me just say this right here. There's some temptations that come into your mind that are going to come there and that doesn't make you a sinner. Some people, their heads down and they're, they're all uh, abject, feel like a, a failure, an abysmal failure because things have cropped up into their mind and so they feel like they're a failure. That, that doesn't mean that you're a failure. That means that there's an inflow of stuff that you got to regulate. That doesn't mean that you're a failure. Where you become a failure is if it comes in and you start thinking on it and you think on it and then you plan on it and then you put it into action and that's when it becomes a failure. you got to regulate what comes into your mind and there is stuff that's going to come into your mind that you wouldn't tell anybody about. I said, you wouldn't tell anybody about. There's stuff that comes into my mind. Where in the world did that come from? That's the, that's the enemy. That's the lion that's trying to devour, to plant something into your mentality and into your head to get you off track. You're not a sinner because it's there, but you can become a sinner depending on how you deal with it. You've got to regulate it. You've got to say, that's an inflow. I'm regulating that, and what's coming out is the goodness of God. I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm not going to let the enemy plant seeds in my mind and then let it grow a crop but I'm going to raise it to the ground and I'm going to plant something that's good. I'm going to plant stuff that is lovely. I'm going to plant stuff that is true. I'm going to plant stuff that is just. Amen. That is pure. That is lovely. That is a good report. That is full of virtue. That is full of praise. Think on these things. Think on these things. And there is an outflow. If you're thinking on those things, there's an outflow of those things. 
And that's the scripture for Well, that, that's really it. That's all there is here tonight. That's, that's, that's the point tonight, the ingress and the egress. The traffic flow spiritually in our life is really, and in discussing with problems and situations with people, is really where the rubber meets the road. Well, how did you get to this point? Well, I started thinking about this. Somebody did this. Somebody did that. I got thinking on that. Started harboring resentments and bitterness. And stuff started cropping up. And then before I know it, I was snapping at people close to me. I was frustrated. And so I was transferring a lot of my frustration on everything else. And before I know it, I was doing stuff that I'm, I, I, I don't even know. I don't know what I was doing. Because there was an inflow that wasn't regulated. And because it wasn't regulated, then it became activated. And it was an outflow of actions. Praise God. Because you've got to regulate that through the power of the Holy Ghost. There's a lot of voices that come our way. There is much traffic. <clears throat> Musicians, if you would come, there's much traffic that comes our way on a daily basis. Not, not, not only in, in what is on the, the computer and the internet and social media, but what you see on a daily basis. What is marketed and what is promoted. Amen. This is why scripture reading is important. This is why church is important. This is why preaching is important. This is why teaching is important. This is why children's ministry is important. This is why youth ministry is important. So that we have an inflow of godly things. We have an inflow of truth. Praise God. Because there's a lot of other stuff that's going to come. And we got to weed some of that stuff out. I like to say there's some things that you must eat the meat and throw away the bones. You have to regulate some things. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now watch, this is very important. Casting down imagination. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What am I doing? I'm casting down imaginations. Things that exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. I'm bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I'm having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. It's coming into my life. There has to be some regulation. You know, I, I think we live in a world that I, I think we could probably say to people in common society with some of the difficulties they have is, is because they don't know. And what comes into their life is confusion and what goes out of their life is confusion. And they try to figure it out and they've got different coping mechanisms. They try to bury it with alcohol, drugs, all kind of pharmaceuticals. Their regulatory practices are, are so damaged. They like, they, they, they have, there's no sensitivity. And it takes, it takes an act of God to recreate that sensitivity in their life. Stand before God and lift holy hands and say, God, bring conviction to my heart and life. About things that some people might think is ridiculous and crazy, but because there's a sensitive heart. And because there's a regulation of God's anointing and his, his presence in his word, then there's an outflow. Amen. I, I always pray with, with children that are praying and young people that are praying. When the tears are flowing and they're worshiping, they're, they, you know, they may not have all the things about life figured out, but what I always pray is, God, let there be a sensitivity in this heart and life. Let there be a sensitive heart that helps regulate the flow of what they're going to face in life. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19 as we stand together in the house of God. Amen. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt 
and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor caress doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? What's, what's coming in? What Jesus is saying, what comes in is what goes out. If darkness is coming in, it's darkness that's going to be coming out. But if light's coming in, light's going out. Praise God. In our spiritual walk with God, there has to be a regulation through his word and through his spirit every single day that we live. Praise God. Every single day that we live, there has to be an understanding and a mentality that says, God, the things that are coming into my life, help me decipher through those things, regulate those things, and let the kingdom of God flow out of me. Praise God. That should be our prayer and our passion here tonight. As we lift up our hands, let's pray that prayer together. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the good things that can come into my life through your word, through your spirit, but I also recognize there is an enemy, there is one that is the accuser of the brethren that will try to bring all kinds of destructive thoughts into my mind and into my life. I pray that your spirit would help me regulate, decipher, remove, and let what flows out of me, let it be the good things of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Sing that as a prayer, Lord. I thank you and praise you.
for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance that there would flow into our spirit and an opportunity so that we can speak the mystery of Christ. Amen. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul is saying this should be what is normative in my life. Amen. This, this is the experience that should be normative in my life. That the spirit and the word regulates what comes in and flows out is the goodness of God. Praise God. Praise God. 